Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. Now, flexible work is a topic that comes in and out of fashion. Workers want it. Organizations say they're fine with providing it. But at the end of the day, there's lots of day-to-day priorities that get in the way of it happening. The bottom line is important, particularly now with the economy softening a bit, and flexible work may not be the priority it once was, but that might be a mistake. To talk about the state of flexible work, I'm joined on this episode by Callie Williams-Yost. Now, Callie is the CEO and founder of Flex Strategy Group, and she's someone I talked to on this podcast early in the pandemic when flexibility, or at least remote work, and it's not just remote work, was being forced onto organizations. Now, a lot has changed since then, so it's great to catch up with her again, particularly since Flex Strategy has just released a report on this. It's called The Now and Next of Work, and it has some interesting conclusions. It was great to get Callie's insights on how workers and leaders now feel about flex work. Please stay with us to hear our conversation. Well, has flexible work gone out of fashion? To talk about that, I'm joined by Callie Williams-Yost. She's the CEO and founder of Flex Strategy Group. Hi, Callie. Hi, Linda. It's great to have you back. Just thinking, when was the last time we spoke? It would be in 2020, I believe. And that's a long time ago (laughs) in a lot of ways. (laughs) I know. It seems like a lifetime ago, truly. It does. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things have almost come full circle, but we can talk about that. Just remind everyone a little bit about your background, but about the kind of work you do. Well, I help organizations and individuals perform at high levels working flexibly. So I execute high-performance, flexible work strategies, and I've been doing it for 25 years. (laughs) So for me, none of this is new, Um, but it has been quite an interesting three years as the rest of the world has now understood that flexibility is the way an organization has to operate to a certain degree that is yet to be determined. Um, And then how do you do it? And That's what I have been doing for the last 25 and even more so the last three years. Well, you know, before the last three years, it was almost kind of a niche business, right? (laughs) And it went mainstream by default. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There were leaders, though, that saw the future and they knew it was going to be flexible. And so they voluntarily, on their own volition, said, we have to reimagine work. Um, So now, on the other side of COVID, it's something that's been more forced. And I think you have leaders now grappling with where do we go from here? But they're facing a lot of the same challenges that the leaders before um, happened to just see coming and choose to respond to. And so this is where leaders are. How are they going to choose to respond now? And we should say, we're talking about flexible work here, but that's not just remote work, right? How would you define it? To me, flexibility is operating across workplaces, spaces, and time with intention. So you are not walking into, everybody's not walking into the same office every Monday through Friday, nine to five to do their jobs. It's based on the particular job that you have, where, when, and how do you do do that job best. And there has to now be a period where an organization defines what those parameters are 
across their organization. And it's not going to be a one size fits all based on different jobs, but it really is establishing the the sort of how, when, and where parameters you are going to work across those different dimensions in a thoughtful, intentional way. Thoughtful, intentional. I mean, this is, I think, the important part because what we got in 2020 was not thoughtful or intentional. No, it was forced upon a lot of organizations. Yes, it was. It was crisis driven. Yes. So does, has it been great what we've been doing for the last three years? Hey, you know what? If we didn't have the flexibility that we all just dove into, you wouldn't be operating many organizations. So you were able to stay in business. People delivered. They did figure it out, but was it an intentional, deliberate reimagining of work where the parameters were clear and you recognized what was done best on site, what was done best when we're remote, how we're using technology, and when are we going to work independently, and when are we going to be available to each other in real time, and clarifying all that? No, that did not happen. And now this is where we have to, on the other side of the crisis, now step back and say, okay, what were some of the lessons learned over the last three years? Because certainly some things did work out, but now what do we have to add back in and what's missing and how do we move forward with what's going to be next? You know, I think it'd be great if we could do that, Callie, but I see a lot of leaders basically saying, okay, well, now it's safe to come back. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but they just want to go back to 2019. Mm -hmm. How much of that are you seeing? You know what I'm... What I'm seeing is a funny recognition that there is flexibility, but it's almost seen as something that's going to be around the traditional work model still. There's not this recognition that for a lot of people, the traditional work model is not doesn't even exist anymore. So I think the default perspective or context of work for many leaders remains the traditional work model. So that's where they believe work and performance happens. But for a lot of the workforce, that isn't even a valid construct for them. That's not their context. So the struggle is, I think leaders are trying to go back to something that for their workforce is not exist. And there's this, I call it the clash of context. Mm-hmm. And I people like to think of it, we like to talk about it like a power struggle. I don't necessarily think it's about power. I think it's about perceptions and a misalignment. And I think leaders have, because they're the leaders, have to be willing to step beyond their perspective and say, what am I missing about what people are telling me over here? But what do I need to, how do I need to explain what I believe has been lost in all of this in a way that can be understood by people over here who just see it very differently? And that's where they they do need to get in deeper into the conversations around development and how do we develop when we're together and what aspects of that are important, but let their people say, I hear you, but I think we can do it equally as well or the same, or maybe even, you know, not as well when we're together, but let's optimize those times we're together for the aspects of our development that matter. But how can we keep doing that when we're not? Like, that's the kind of conversations we have to be having. I think there's a danger that it becomes work is the days we're together, but then Mm. you got to keep doing all the stuff when we're not. So again, it's how do we meet in the middle and begin to reimagine what the next thing's going to look like with both sides having a say and feeling like what they believe is important has been considered and is part of that next solution. Well, I know you've just put out a report on this. If you had to summarize 
how do workers feel and how do leaders feel? Well, the report we put out is, it's called The Now and Next of Work. You can get it at our website. It is truly the, the only, and somebody could prove me wrong, the only pre and post COVID um, measure of employees' experience of flexibility. So the last time we did this survey was at the end of 2017, so sort of right before COVID. And we did it again in May, right after the crisis sort of public health emergency was lifted in the United States. So we wanted to get a pure, as pure as we can, sort of before and after um, comparison as, as far as how employees are seeing all this. So what I can tell you, employees told us was they believe, interestingly enough, if you did most of your work on site pre covid you still do most of your work on site now. And if you did most of your work remotely before COVID, you still do most of your work remotely. So that was a third of the workforce pre-COVID and still now say they do most of their work from a remote location, not on their employer site. What's different now is the degree of flexibility within those two different modes of working. So if you were on site most of the time pre-COVID, let's say it was five days a week, maybe you're on site now, four days a week, three days a week. If you were remote most of the time pre-COVID, maybe you were on site two days a week, and maybe now you're on site only one day a week. And there's more time flexibility. That's because it's also where and when you work. So it's this additional degree of flexibility that has to be addressed. Because when leaders say, "Come back," to, you need to come back to the office, people will say, I am in the office. Like, what, what do you mean? It's what they're really saying is you have to be more in the office. And what we found is people think they are interacting as much, if not more, with their colleagues when they are on site. So if the rationale is you need to be you know, coordinating or, or being with your colleagues more by being on site, they're saying, but I already am. And they think they're being more productive. They think they're being more innovative. They think they're being more, they're communicating better. They think, so they think they're already doing all of the things that leaders are saying they're going to do better if they come back to the office. And that's where our hope is with this research is that leaders get a snapshot of that belief system so that they then can figure out a way to approach the workforce and say, I hear you, I get it. However, these are the things that we are concerned are not happening from a performance standpoint that we now need to talk about what matters when we're in person and how do we keep doing these things effectively when we're not, because this is what we believe has to be what drives what we're going to be doing next. So that's what I, I, I see the disconnect is that leaders truly and genuinely believe that there is a performance gap that is it has been um, overlooked the last three years. And it often relates to talent development. It often relates to connectedness, um, cultural cohesion. Um, and none of those things, an innovation, and none of those things are wrong. It's just how do you meet employees where they are so that you can then decide how you're going to address that going forward. You know, I don't completely blame the managers saying this because they weren't trained to manage this kind of workforce, right? No. They are totally, they were totally unprepared for it. I don't like hearing some of the rhetoric from the C-suite and like leaders like Elon Musk. I mean, he may be the extreme version of it, but basically saying you're slacking off at home. A hundred percent. Yeah. Where yes. is that coming from? Like, 
You know, again, I, I don't think they're using the right word. I don't know about Elon Musk. Okay. So let's pin that over there. Okay. But to your point on managers, okay. The truth of the matter is we weren't awesome about training managers to be good managers before COVID. Okay. We weren't. So as I often will tell stories that we would go into organizations and execute remote work pre-COVID and managers would walk up to me and say, you know, this is great and everything, but how am I supposed to know they're working? And my answer was always the same. Great. How do you do it now? Just keep doing that. And they would have kind of a blank stare (laughs) as I knew they didn't, they were not measuring any kind of output-based performance. They were just, you're sitting there. So you're working. Um, Managers now need to know how to manage. And so when they do say, I'm not sure you're working, um, part of the issue is they did not define in that crisis environment when the flexibility was executed, they didn't define what was going to happen best when we are in person with each other. We're going to prioritize those things. What are we doing when we're not? So I do think that there is a, sense of randomness and chaos to all of this that makes managers overwhelmed, okay? An individual may think they're individually productive and they may be. It's more of the team coordination and the um, intentionality around where certain parts of the work are happening most effectively. And also when we're available to each other, the time aspect of this has been difficult for some managers because there is no agreement. Okay, when am I going to be responding to you? When are we going to have meetings? Like that feels very, again, sort of not defined and a little inefficient. Senior leaders, on the other hand, I think they're not, many of them are not articulating the right, using the right words to articulate what it is they're trying to really say. Um, The leaders that I'm working with, so for example, I earlier this year, big gathering of leaders in the same room. I had 25 of the most senior leaders of this organization in the room. And they wanted me to talk to them about their RTO mandate policy. And I said to them, what are we trying to do here? Are you really trying to get their butts in the office? Is that what you're trying to do? Or are you trying to get them to be more intentional about in-person interactions? To a person, every hand raised to the second point. Oh no, we just want them to be more intentional about when they're together and and using that time to really, you know, be with each other and be efficient about how they're innovating on our projects and planning and okay, then say that. Okay, stop saying get back into the office because that's not actually what you're saying. And when I said that, they were like, oh, I, I didn't even think about it that way, right? So some of it is how leaders are articulating what it is they're trying to accomplish by rethinking the way work's going to happen going forward. That's my perception. That's what I'm seeing. Interesting. You know, I think you use the words perk versus strategy in this report. Yes. Okay. How does it break down amongst organizations for those who are providing remote work? How many of them roughly think of this as a perk and others, you're lucky to have this and versus it's a strategy. This is something we're doing for the good of this organization. Okay, so Linda, this was one of the findings that just blew me away. So before COVID, it was kind of 50-50. And I thought, okay, I get it. All right, before COVID, it was kind of a perk. It was, it was outside of the traditional work model, not a strategy. 
oh my gosh, we basically found the same thing after COVID, which blew my mind because I'm like, how can we, I thought we put this to bed with COVID, which is that this is an operating strategy that allows us to continue to do work. So therefore flexibility needs to be a core component of our operating model going forward. Nope, still the same, 50-50 basically. So I think this is where we're struggling on some level to, to figure this next thing out together and to have flexibility take its appropriate place in the how are we deliver how and where are we delivering our products and our services most effectively that's how it has to be discussed until you see it as a strategy you're going to keep seeing it as a perk or a policy or an arrangement that sits outside of the business and rests in hr and you aren't as a business having to step back and saying okay based upon what we need to do services we need to deliver, the products we need to develop and bring to market, how and where do we do that best? And what does that look like? That conversation is not happening in the business if you see it as a perk. And so this is a mindset shift that has to be made. And when we do make it, it's magic. The spark happens. People meet you halfway. You can have those conversations I keep talking about, which is what do we keep doing that we've learned over the last three years? But then what do we need to add back in? Cause it's missing. That happens when you see it as a strategy. And that's what I hope we, we end up starting to do more of in 2024. Well, I was going to ask about 2024 because my real occupation is economist. And honestly, the economy is, is not doing as well as it could. It probably will avoid a recession, but definitely there's a lot of signals suggesting companies are going to be a little reticent about spending money. They're uh, concerned about the outlook. That is never good for worker rights or programs or innovation even. Are you concerned that we'll see a step back here or do you, are you confident we're going to see a real step forward in the next little while? You know, Linda, that's another interesting outcome from all from our research. We asked Based on the job market, the economy, and let's say there are layoffs um, in certain industries, will you seek even more flexibility? Will you stay the same? Will you seek less? And we found a solid, um, you know, 40 plus percent said, we will seek out more. Okay. And, you know, it was, I think it was 18%, only 18% said, I will seek less. This is from the workers or this is this is from employees say, yeah, yeah, like this is their perception. And this is how I explained it to a group of leaders last week. Think of it this way. COVID showed people a way of working that they can never unsee. Okay, so even if the economy gets tough and even if, let's say, for the period of time that the economy maybe is a little bit weaker, they kind of comply with what it is you want them to do. They still know that this is possible, that they can work in a more flexible way, and they will ultimately seek it out. So you either can use a downturn or a softening of the economy as an excuse to not have to take on some of this next level transformation and thinking about how, when, and where work is done best with your workforce. You can avoid that and put it off and just mandate people back into the office. But then find yourself behind when the economy starts to turn and organizations that did take the time to think about, okay, so how, when, and where do we work best next? 
can come to your workforce and say, hey, join us. We have an intentional, flexible work strategy. Come and be part of it. They'll go there. And then you're further behind. So try to avoid that. Um, Know this is their expectation and plan accordingly. Okay, so if you're an organization that does want to get the best from your workers and you do want to provide more flexibility and you're going to try this, what are the practical things that you're telling them to think about and do? First and foremost, you have to align your leadership around what makes sense for your business, how you want to approach this. Are you going to get your leadership on board to say, you know what, we do have to step back. We do have to rethink the way that we are working and we have to do that across our whole business. We have to sponsor it. We have to be willing to say we don't know the answer, but we are willing to work with all of you, our workforce, our workers to define the parameters that make sense for our organization. First step, because until the leadership's on board, it's going to be very hard to get the sponsorship, the resourcing, the attention that this is going to require. And it's what's, here's what's interesting. The number of task forces and the amount of resources I see going into AI right now and into workspace management and the decisions are, okay, you don't even know how people are working, when and where they're working. How you think you're making effective workspace decisions based on the current work model, you're probably not. And yes, AI is super important, but that's the how people are working. You still have not landed the plane on the when and the where. So make the how, when, and the where part of a holistic rethinking of your work model. And then what you're going to want to do is do a current state pulse check. Go to your employees, say, what is working? What would you like to see? And be very clear about what you think is not happening and then ask them to help you understand how to make that outcome a reality working in a flexible way. Then you have to train people. We're not training people. This is another thing I found in the research. Most people are not being trained. I hear this a lot. Oh my God. You have got to be trained on how to to lead a flexible work team. You have to be trained how to work as part of a flexible work team. And you have to be trained how to then take that flexibility and prioritize your work and your life and how it fits together. And so roll out that training and then ultimately experiment, have a pilot, take a three month period and say, all right, we've set these parameters, we've trained our people, now let's see how it works. Have a pull up period, see how it goes and continue to innovate and learn. Those are the three steps. My leaders, go out, get a pulse check on the current state, begin to imagine what the future can look like, train your people, pilot. Okay, so it's been three years since we last spoke. If we were to wait another three years, or maybe five years, uh, how would it look? What do you expect to be the big changes you see in terms of work? Okay, models? so um, my blue sky, okay. Um, I just, I my, my hope is, is that organizations walk through those steps, which actually I think are four, not three. Um, and they've unlocked the innovation, the engagement, the well-being that really does come from being able to intentionally work across all of these different dimensions. Um, I, I just see, I see it happen. I've seen it happen for years. Um, people do bring the best of themselves when they are able to be intentional about how and where they work. And the organization has really helped to define what that structure looks like. Um, everybody wins. 
everybody wins. And um, that's what I hope is happening in three to five years is that we're starting to see some of that really come to light and start to be a reality. Okay, well, that's an optimistic view. Let's leave it at that then. Callie, so nice to talk to you again. Linda, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to see you. Callie Williams-Yost is CEO and founder of Flex Strategy Group. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Callie and about the report, please take a look at our show notes. You'll find a lot there to dig into. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm on X, which used to be Twitter, at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did like this episode about this future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. That's how people find us and that's how we'll keep this going. Thanks so much for listening and thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.